Hello, and welcome to Ropes and Gray's virtual trip around the world. I'm Allison Fesky, counsel in the healthcare group in our Chicago office. And together with my colleagues, I'm really excited to share with you the launch of our new local law comparison guide. This was developed as part of our Global Healthcare Compliance Initiative, which is a cross-practice group initiative at Ropes and Gray, built upon our strong relationships with local counsel. This new local law comparison guide summarizes requirements and standards for typical activities that healthcare and life sciences companies will encounter across 19 key international jurisdictions. And we partner with law firms on six continents to develop the guide. Today I have with me Stephanie DeSchmidt, from the law firm of Loyens and Luff. Stephanie is resident in the Brussels office and is here today to discuss with us compliance and regulatory considerations in Belgium. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Alison. Let's get started. If you could tell us a little bit about your practice and the practice of Loyens and Luff with respect to um, healthcare and regulatory considerations in Belgium. Sure. So Loyens & Luff is a Benelux law firm. That means that we're active in the Netherlands, Luxembourg, and Belgium. Um, within those offices, we have uh, a life sciences and healthcare team. Uh, it's an industry team, so we focus not only on the regulatory matters and the compliance matters, but also on any type of legal or tax uh, issues that clients in this industry may face. And as part of that, I'm part of the Belgian team, and I focus mostly on uh, compliance, regulatory, um, GDPR matters, and also litigation uh, for life sciences companies. Great. Could could you start by walking us through um, at a at a high level the regulatory framework in Belgium? What laws um, or guidelines do healthcare and life sciences companies really need to be concerned about when operating in Belgium? So in Belgium, um, we have a legislative framework that's mostly composed of federal uh, laws. So the federal government enacts the basic laws, and those are then further implemented by royal decrees. So the most important rules are set out in the law. Uh, we have a law on medicinal products, law on uh, medical devices, and then more specifically, we also have legislation on the exercise of healthcare professions that regulate how companies, how healthcare professionals can actually conduct their activities and how their relationship with the industry uh, should be regulated and managed. And on that topic specifically, uh, we also have codes of conduct that are established by, by more the, the professional bodies, the professional associations that lay down more detailed guidelines and rules. But the basic laws and also the laws um, that impose criminal sanctions or administrative sanctions for non-compliance are the, uh, the federal laws and the royal decrees. So what are, from your perspective, you know, sort of the three, you know, most important hot topics or evolving areas of risk for healthcare and life sciences companies? I think one that's common for most European countries is the medical device regulation um, that has become applicable quite recently. And we've seen a lot of clients that are really um, struggling a bit with applying those new rules on medical devices, in particular in relation to software, artificial intelligence, all kinds of new technologies that are really up and coming in the life sciences industry. And it's still not entirely clear um, to which extent these kind of new technologies would qualify as a medical device under regulation and what type of um, requirements they must meet. So that's the first hot topic. 
another one um, that was a hot topic uh, in the past year uh, was, of course, Brexit. Um, companies were still adjusting to Brexit uh, with all types of compliance issues uh, that are linked to that in terms of uh, export, in terms of licenses, uh, taxes. Um, so we received quite a lot of questions in that respect. And then a third one, uh, specifically also for the, the life sciences industry, is uh, clinical research. Um, Belgium is really a hub for clinical research, um, and we see that um, the legislation and the regulatory requirements are not really adapted to reality, in particular um, in case of processing of personal data for clinical research, for example. Um, the laws are not really adapted to the practice yet. Uh, which means that there uh, there are conflicts from time to time and companies um, are struggling uh, how to apply this legislation in their clinical research, how to make sure that they are compliant when working with, with sensitive health data of patients. So that's really a hot topic and also a topic where uh, we hope that uh, the, the Belgian legis legislature will really um, jump on it and also take some measures to help companies there. And specific to interactions with um, healthcare professionals, which is one of the areas we focus in our local law comparison guide, where would companies look specifically for guidance on these types of interactions in Belgium? Would it be the, the statutory framework or, or more the, the trade association codes of conduct? It would be both. Um, so on the one hand, we have anti-inducement laws uh, that are quite strict, and we have a general prohibition in the federal law that applies to both uh, producers of medicines and producers of medical devices. And this legal statutory prohibition actually um, provides that that um, manufacturers of medicines or of medical devices um, cannot give gifts or benefits or premiums to healthcare professionals only when they're of very small value or as a fair remuneration to certain consultancy services, for example. Um, but the possibilities are very limited there. And um, that legal prohibition is actually supplemented by the codes of conduct of the industry, where they determine in a bit more detail, okay, what is a small gift that is acceptable um, in case you organize as a pharmaceutical company a scientific event or a conference, how far can you go in terms of hospitality uh, for medical uh, practitioners? So those things are laid down in principle in the law, but they're detailed in more guidelines in, in the codes of conduct. And what's also more um, specific for Belgium is that we have a law also on transparency uh, that actually has put into place a transparency platform online. It's called Be Transparent. And um, basically, um, any company or any industry player that offers um, some kind of value or gift uh, or premium to a healthcare professional or even to a patient organization has to report this to be transparent. And when you look at the website, you can actually see there and you can look for any types of premiums or benefits that have been granted by specific pharmaceutical companies to specific uh, practitioners. So those can all transparently be consulted online. That sounds somewhat similar to the structure we have in the U.S. and, and the transparency law we have in the U.S. 
Um, so how how does the enforcement or um, adherence to the industry trade codes, how does that happen? Is it is it a self-regulating regime? Has there been any enforcement or fines or penalties under those those codes? So in Belgium, enforcement is not always very public. Um, so the laws as such, they are enforced by the, the government regulator um, and the, the federal service uh, for health. So they enforce the legal requirements and, and they can impose fines. Um, but the regulator often just first starts by sending a warning to a company uh, saying, okay, this is what we see, we think this is not compliance, and they issue a warning and ask the company to comply. And then you get the opportunity to respond to that um, and to enter into some sort of settlement discussions with the regulator. And often, very often, that is where it actually ends. There is a, a confidential uh, settlement that may or may not involve the payment of a certain settlement amount. And only when no settlement is reached, the case will be further prosecuted and it may eventually uh, become public. But it's really not that common um, for enforcement decisions to be published in Belgium. And the same goes for the, the industry codes. Those are enforced by the industry bodies themselves. And they see also more as an, an internal um, type of enforcement. Um, for the healthcare professionals, so they are regulated also by the professional uh, body uh, association of healthcare professionals. Those do publish um, their enforcement decisions online. And for example, when a doctor um, receives a certain benefit from a pharmaceutical company that's not compliant with the, the doctor's uh, professional code of conduct, then um, he may be sanctioned um, or, or his license can be suspended and those kind of decisions are published online. Often there is an overlap between a healthcare professional and a government official. Um, are there particular regulatory or compliance considerations you would highlight when, when um, interacting with a government official, whether or not he or she may be a healthcare professional as well? Yeah, um, so for government um, uh, officials, the rules are even stricter. Um, they have general anti-bribery legislation that applies to them. So as a rule, they're not allowed to accept any type of compensation. They cannot accept small gifts. Um, they can't accept any type of, of compensation or gift. They have to remain completely uh, impartial and independent. So they cannot solicit, demand, or accept any gifts or benefits. Um, either in the performance of their duties or in the performance of any kind of site duty. So obviously, COVID-19 has been, you know, the, a big topic uh, for for everywhere in the world in the last year. Has there been anything specific to COVID-19 in Belgium in terms of regulatory risks or developments that you would highlight for our listeners? So, of course, yeah, in the past 12 months, uh, the focus of the regulators has really been on, on the approval process of the COVID-19 vaccines, um, getting the vaccines approved, also looking at approvals of um, COVID-19 tests and also home kits uh, for testing. So that's really where the main uh, focus of the regulator is for the moment. So in terms of other uh, risks, um, there was a bit less uh, this year. Um, but what has become a very important issue for, for our clients, actually, in the life sciences industry 
is uh, any type of remote operating and having um, COVID force them to, to work remotely and also to share uh, confidential and sensitive business information remotely. So it's not just about um, patient data and personal data and GDPR, but actually pharmaceutical companies, life sciences companies, they as well, they start using remote tools, virtual meetings um, to discuss or exchange confidential information and uh, topics as cybersecurity and cyber fraud have really become uh, key points of attention uh, because we do see more and more cyber attacks um, because of the remote working and, and, and um, companies are really faced with that as a big threat um, these last few months. Interesting. In the U.S., we've, we've, of course, also seen a shift to more interactions happening online or in a virtual format, as you mentioned. Um, one of the things uh, that I have counseled my clients on in the U.S. is how to conduct um, marketing interactions or sales interactions in a virtual or online format. Are there any key considerations um, you know, for, for healthcare or life sciences companies in, in conducting you know, marketing interactions in a virtual or online format? Yeah, so I think a very important consideration is make sure that the tools that you're using, that those are, are safe and secure, um, and um, make sure that there's no uh, leaks of, of confidential information. Um, we've seen as well that companies have become more and more vulnerable to, to hacking attacks, uh, to phishing attacks, just because they're sharing much more information virtually. Um, so use uh, safe data sharing platforms if you're if you're communicating about sensitive uh, information, for example, marketing information about a new product that has not uh, been launched yet, so that you want still want to keep confidential. Um, share it through through secure means um, and think about the tools you're using. So Stephanie, what's on your radar for the next you know twelve months um, in Belgium? What should companies kind of keep on the top of their list to think about? As I mentioned in the beginning, um, what's on top of the list for, for a lot of clients is GDPR and clinical research and really getting more guidance from the authorities on how to conduct clinical research and how to carry out their clinical trials in a GDPR compliant manner, because we do see more and more GDPR enforcement, we see more fines, but specifically for life sciences companies, there is just still a lot of things that are unclear and they do require more guidance to know exactly how to apply um, these rules in practice. So that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, another uh, thing that's on our radar is, of course, as I mentioned as well, the, the medical device regulation and specifically its impact on software and health apps. Um, in Belgium also, there's a big uh, community of, of health app developers, um, projects working with artificial intelligence to predict someone's health status or monitor someone's health status. So we see that there's more and more uh, health apps and, and software uh, being developed and um, having more guidance on that and how to comply with the medical device regulation. Um, that's also still something that will be further developed, uh, I think, in the next 12 months. Because of COVID-19, of course, um, production capacity had to be upscaled uh, by many manufacturing sites. Some companies had to reorientate their business focus. So we see a lot of movement in the sub-branches, uh, I would say, of laboratories, um, distributors of 
personal protective equipment, players also in the food supplements or vitamins market, and um, there will be a lot of movement on the M&A market, therefore, uh, in Belgium in the next 12 months, uh, with, of course, also important regulatory angles. What a helpful overview to, to help our, you know, our clients start thinking about key areas of risk um, in evolving hot topics in Belgium. I want to thank you so much for joining me today and, and for your firm's partnership with us at Ropes and Gray in developing the local law comparison guide. We really are sure this is going to be a, a, a terrific tool for our clients as they work through the complex regulatory and compliance environments across the globe. You can also subscribe and listen to this series wherever you regularly access your podcasts, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks everyone for listening and thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us today. 